This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 146 Yikes. of the In Between Podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. All right, hands up. Hands up if you've ever felt worried. <laughs> well, goodness gracious, if I had 100 hands, all of them would be up right now, stretched to the sky. Mm. <laughs> This past year and a half has brought up a lot of events and situations to potentially worry about that we didn't even know we could worry about, right? I had no idea that I could freak out so badly about my child eating a snack without first using hand sanitizer after playing at the park. Like, literally <laughs> so losing yes, my it's so mind. True. It's so true. Where does... <laughs> Where did this anxiety come from? This is not me. I am not like a crazy like germaphobe, but I'm starting to be one apparently. That's right. Uh, So perhaps you've been asking the same questions of yourself. Where did this anxiety come from? Maybe you're noticing a few reactions that your children are having to situations and, and you're thinking... What is happening? This is not how they would usually act or respond. This is not them. Well, we are so thankful to be joined today by Josh Straub, author, speaker, and co-leader with his wife, Christy, a famous at home, a company equipping leaders and corporations in emotional intelligence and healthy family systems. Along with his wife, Josh co-wrote the book, What Do I Do With Worry?, a delightful children's book that helps parents and children alike understand where worry comes from and what to do with it. This book literally could not have come at a better time for our family. Earlier this year, when we were about to take a trip to see Daniel's dad in the hospital, we were all feeling really apprehensive about his health. Well, one of our daughters, who is a natural warrior, needed to do a quick book report for her class. She ended up picking up this book, What Do I Do With Worry?, and based her book report on it. In God's kindness, he was giving her the tools of what to do with her, what ifs, and the language to be able to express her overwhelming feelings about the possibility of losing her grandfather to cancer. Yeah, and you know what? Perhaps this is the tool that your family needs too. Well, for all the links to this episode, including Josh and Christie's newest book, What Do I Do With Worry?, just head to inbetween.org slash episode 146. And remember to stay tuned to the end of the episode where we talk about today's tool to build a family that you'll love. We'll be talking about a grounding exercise to help with anxiety. All right, so let's listen in to the interview. Josh, we are so glad that you're on the podcast with us today. Uh, thanks for having me, you guys. I love love seeing you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. We're so close, but yes. so far away. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. And well, our mo- many of our podcast family might not know this, but Josh and I actually did work together. Uh, we yeah. didn't end up ever having dinner Tacos. all together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As as couples, one of my uh, regrets leaving Nashville without having dinner with y'all. We yeah. were on the verge of it. We were so close to making it happen. Well, especially because your wife Christy is Canadian and from Ontario, like Christina. Yeah, so. we'll just meet in Canada. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, let's get yeah. the borders open and we'll be there. 
<laughs> exactly. Very true. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, Josh, uh, you and your wife uh, released a brand new book, uh, What Do I Do With Worry? And we would love to just talk to you about healthy habits uh, to teach your kids who worry a lot. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to get us started, we'd love for you to just to share what some of the similarities and differences are between fear, worry, and anxiety. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, because a lot of times you can lump some of them all, but but the reality is, is there are differences. And, you know, we wrote What Do I Do With Worry uh, as a book because, you know, kids worry. I mean, all kids have worries. Uh and but but there's a lot of times where that worry can cross over into anxiety, where there's anxiety in the brain. And and the way to describe that is, uh, you know, one of the simplest ways. I think actually Paul, the Apostle Paul, was one of the first neuroscientists. He talks, you know, in Philippians four. I can kind of ground it there. Awesome. You know, he says, um, you know, be anxious for nothing, uh, but in everything uh, by mm-hmm. prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And and there, I want to hold that with thanksgiving piece there for a second because it's a really important part of this of this conversation. Um, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think what Paul understood is, is because the neurobiology of our brain is it functions in such a way where when we're anxiety, when we're anxious, when we're when we are in fight, flight, or freeze, when we feel uh, in danger, our fight, flight, and freeze kicks off, and we're either wanting to fight, flee, or we freeze in the moment, and that's that's where uh, fear comes into play. It's like this this fear where we're, we are on edge. And what it does neurobiologically, because the brain goes from the bottom to the top, is that the top part of the brain behind the eyes, that's the prefrontal cortex. It's known for emotion regulation, problem solving, uh, cognitive flexibility, language processing, the ability to put words, like emotion words to what it is you're experiencing. And then ultimately self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit. Mm. So that part of the brain gets shut down Mm. when we are feeling threatened uh, because God's wired our brain to to, to fight or freeze, right? And so when when Paul is writing, make your requests known to God, like verbalize them to God, talk to God about them. It has a calming effect mm-hmm. on our brain when we're able to label those things. And it's not until that yeah. point that Paul finally says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, true, holy, excellent, anything praiseworthy, think on these things. I think Paul understood that when we're anxious and overwhelmed, we can't think straight, which is why we need to go to God in order to get calmed down, in order to calm our brain down. Talk to God, verbalize your emotion, and do it with thanksgiving. Neurobiology, uh, neuroscience researchers actually have found that uh, uh, gratitude and anxiety cannot coexist in the brain. So when you're thankful, when you're grateful, uh, it doesn't. It, it pushes anxiety and worry out of the brain, and so. I wanted to set that foundation for this, uh, for this question that you asked, the fear, anxiety, and worry, because what's happening in our brain is the fight, flight, or freeze is going off. And anxiety is when it's, it, anxiety is when you get to a place where it's debilitating. In other words, it is, it is impacting your day-to-day life. It's influencing how you show up in relationships. It's influencing uh, maybe for a child, their schoolwork. Maybe their behavior, you're seeing them be def- more defiant than they normally are. Uh, maybe they're, they're sleeping more often or less often. They're eating more often or less often. It's a change in behavior that you're seeing that you realize something's going on. And, and a lot of times it's coming out in disobedience. 
and we see it as an act of defiance when the reality is what's going on underneath is is real fear is real worry you know real real anxiety so i know i'm using these words interchangeably so it might not be answering your question totally but anxiety i see anxiety on this kind of more extreme end um fear is one of those um you know i see this both naturally and supernaturally a spirit of fear is a very real spirit that if we're not paying attention can come into our family come into our home and kind of just have this this underlying sense of fear where you fear stuff and it silences you. You know, you get afraid to do things. You get afraid to have conversations with people. You get afraid in, in certain circumstances. And so fear can really, you know, I think that's, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I hear it so often that, you know, uh, there's like fear not in the Bible, like 365 or 300, like one for every day of the year, you know, because God is saying, you know, fear not, like don't, don't fear, uh, but trust in me. And so I see fear, honestly, as a more supernatural type of praying a spirit of peace into our homes where there's an underlying sense of peace. And worry, I see that as the everyday, we, we all worry, right? We all, um, uh, you know, so, so I'm just going to say this real quickly. I tend to see anxiety as more of this, you know, on a, you know, there's a scale, a degree, um, but more of that, you know, debilitating sense of how it's impacting our day-to-day lives. Fear is that I, I kind of see that on a supernatural, like a, there's a natural component to it, obviously, but I see that as a, you know, fear, a spirit of fear is something I pray against a lot because it's something I wrestle with. Like, I'm just like, I have to, you know, I, I pray spirit of peace in our home often as head of our household. Like I'm praying spirit of peace over our home. Christy's praying a spirit of peace over our home. And then the worry, we all worry. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a natural, normal human thing to worry. And, and our kids have all kinds of worries. And so we, um, we, we wrote this book, uh, even before a pandemic started, uh, you know, we were, because kids worry, we, you know, they, they struggle with day-to-day stuff, big stuff and little stuff from like, are my, what if my parents divorce, uh, to what if the stars fall out of the sky and, you know, hit me on the head, you know, um, like kids have all kinds of worries. Hmm. I I love the way you went into the brain science and our podcast family knows how much we love that too. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for doing that. That's awesome. Um, and with the, I love, I love the way you teased out the fear, the worry, the anxiety part. Uh, we're, we're curious. So um, with your book, and and it's a kids book um, mm-hmm. for all, and, and we'll put it all in the show notes and all that stuff. Um, but I guess we're curious. Why did you call it? What do I do with worry? Instead of what do I do with fear or what do I do with anxiety? Because there there was a sense of overlap. I mean, they are yeah. clearly different as you distinguished. Yeah. Uh, but we're just curious if there's thought toward why it was worry, not fear or anxiety. Yeah. I think worry is one of those. Again, it's, it's every child deals with it. And so mm-hmm. I don't think every child deals with anxiety. You know, I don't know that every child oh, okay. deals with fear. You know, there are there are mm-hmm. a lot of fearless mm-hmm. kids out there. Um, but I think every child deals with worry at some capacity. And I think we as adults do, uh, whether we want to admit it or not. And the question is, is how much do we allow that worry to take root in our brain? How much do we allow that worry to take root in our soul? So from a uh, natural perspective, how much is it influencing our mind? Supernatural perspective, how much is it influencing our soul? So I think right there is where you go, okay, if I come into agreement with this worry, now all of a sudden I'm, I'm opening the door for that fear to creep in. Uh, and if I hold on to this worry thought for too long, it can lead to anxious thoughts, which are going to be, you know, 
because what we do is we play, we take it to a what if scenario and we take it to the worst case scenario. Uh, you know, ultimately we play it out, you know, you know, all the way to the nth degree. And in the book, you know, Willow's worried she moves, uh, you know, um, to a new town. And as she's worrying, she's worrying about, you know, all kinds of different things. But especially the first day, she meets um, Sam, who's the main character from the previous kids book we wrote called What Am I Feeling? And so she meets Sam and he invites her to a birthday party and she gets worried about going to the birthday party and worried about, you know, what if his friends don't like me? Well, it's easy for a girl like that to take those worries to the nth degree to go, well, what if my friend, what if they don't like me? And what if I don't get the same friends here in my new town as I had in my old town? And, you know, and, and so, so, so we, we do is that can lead to anxiety, um, in, in a child. And so the worry is a way for us to go. It's normal to worry. Like we want to help children understand it's normal to worry. You are not crazy. If you're a worrier, we all worry. Number one, number two, um, here's some tools to, to stop that worry because you can, uh, you have the power to be able to, to, to do that. And here are some ways that you can do that to calm your brain, uh, when, when you're in those moments. Well, I love that, Josh, that you're talking about that. And we will, um, in the you know, in a little bit later in our podcast, talk about some of these tools that we can give to our children and even to us, right? As parents, um, I used to be a huge warrior and then I just wasn't anymore. And then with this pandemic and everything that happened and things shut down and we lost a lot of control over our lives, uh, I became much more of a warrior. Yeah, I don't know anyone who didn't worry because of the pandemic (laughs) skyrocket to the right. Well, exactly, right? And so as parents, I know we try so hard uh, if we're aware that we're worrying not to pass it on to our kids. But I've also heard some other parents and people say, you know, I wonder if worrying is actually genetic because it does seem I worry a lot. And then my kids, I'm looking at them and they're so filled with fear, anxiety, worry. Um, Is there an actual correlation to that or is it something else? Yeah, great question. Yeah, there's there's research. Um it shows that, uh, that, that, that fear, it can be passed down from generation to generation. And I think if you think about it, let, let's think about it from the context of the pandemic. And let's think about it from the context of the environment that we're living in. I tend to think of everything as the environment, like our kids are being raised in an environment. And I, and I want you to think about the environment of your home. Yeah. If the environment of your home is one of worry and Christy, she'll catch me a lot. She'll, you know, she'll, cause a lot of times what I'll do, and it's funny because I'll say phrases, um, and I'm trying to come up with an example right now or think of an example, but it's like, I'll come up with a phrase, oh, thunderstorm would be a great example. You know, here in Nashville, we get lots of, you know, we're in the springtime, you get, you know, tornado warnings, things like that, or yeah, tornado yeah. watches and Tornadoes. Yeah, tornadoes, yeah. yeah. And so it's like one of those things where I'll say to Christy, I'll be, you know, I'm watching, you know, our, our Twitter, uh, the Nashville severe weather, and I'm watching it and I'm trying to determine what's happening. And I'll say out loud, uh, you know. 70 mile an hour straight line winds and hail coming our way. And I'll say this to Christy out loud. She'll be like, Josh, like, you know, you know, or maybe it's not even that big of a deal. It's like, there's a severe thunderstorm coming. Yeah. Let's, let's, that's not, let's, let's not shut it down. Not 70 mile an hour winds, but like a severe thunderstorm coming. And I'll say it with like, you know, like, Oh my goodness, there's a severe thunderstorm warning and our kids will be in ears. And we know it's going to be nothing. Mm -hmm. But Christy's like, Josh, like, it's not that big of a deal. It's a severe thunderstorm. Like, and, and I go, I know, but I'm just telling you. And she says, but listen yeah. to the little ears that are listening. 
like you, you, when you speak, you speak a fear into the environment, depending on your tone of voice, depending on what it is that you're doing. And so we have to pay attention to this. And especially with news media, because news media, they, they, it's all about fear, right? It's like they get their ratings because they're instilling fear. And so you have to think about what is on your television? What, what messages, what music are you listening to? What television shows are you allowing your kids to watch? You know what? So, so even those types of things are influencing the environment of your home. And when we carry that as adults, when we carry that worry, when we carry that anxiety, if we're not, if we don't have an outlet, if I don't have a pastor, if I don't have a therapist, if I don't have a small group, if I don't have friends, if I don't say friends, like inner circle type of friends, if I don't have people that I'm able to process that with, mm-hmm. it's going to spill out in the home. And that's why, uh, you know, to your to, to answer your question, yes, I do think it, it spills over. And I think that's why more importantly than ever, we as parents need to have a support system in place and really be taking care of ourselves well. Mm. Um, you know, just this, uh, I think there's a myth a lot of times that if we're taking care of ourselves, you know, we shouldn't be taking care of ourselves because we need to be taking care of our kids first. And that couldn't be more false. Uh, we, how we show up um, matters. And, and we need to be taking care of ourselves. And so having that support system is huge. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love what you and Christy always say on your podcast about how so much of our issues and problems and things that we're struggling with can be solved with community and yeah. can be met in community, right? I love how yeah. you you continue to talk about that. Now, one yeah. thing I do want to, because I, I know our podcast family is thinking, okay, Josh, I get that. I understand that. But does that mean that I never say to my kids, hey, I'm scared about a tornado or, hey, I'm afraid about these winds? Or, for example, Daniel and I went through two car accidents back to back. Our kids were there, too. And um, do we never say that we're scared to get back into the car mm-hmm. again? Because will that cause them to worry? Will that cause them to be full of anxiety? Yeah. Oh, fantastic question. Yeah, I remember that. I remember the car accidents, you guys. And yeah, just even thinking about that, um, you know, it's a great illustration and a great example. I think one of the best ways to navigate that is to um, show our kids, we have to show our kids that we're afraid, you know, we have to show our kids that we're human. Um, But I think we also show them that the mistake we can make is putting that fear on them or putting our worries on them as if they're the ones who need to carry it. Mm. And so I, I won't put my fears on my children for them, unresolved fears for them to carry. Instead, if I talk to them about being scared, I'm already going to have a plan in place for getting back in the car and being brave at mm. doing so. Right. Mm. So it's like, okay, son, you know, okay, Landon, okay, yeah. Kennedy, here's how I have, uh, I'm, yes, I'm scared to do this, but, you know, I prayed, I did this, I did this, you know, and I'm walking them through. I'm going to be brave right now. I'm going to overcome that fear. I'm going to overcome that worry by doing this, but I'm doing it scared. And I think what it does is it just helps our kids learn how to do, do things scared and step into their fear. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki, co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babylon, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. 
Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's really good. Very helpful. And and earlier, um, Christina had alluded to wanting to get to some of those practical tools that parents could use, uh, especially for parents who have kids who tend to worry a lot. So mm-hmm. uh, we'd love for you to take some time to explain a few that that any one of our parents can take this week to practice this week. Yeah, awesome. Oh, yeah, for sure. So basically, when you think about worries pretty much every worry starts with a what if. And I'm sure you've heard me talk about that. Like, what if, what if I step back into the car and begin to another accident? What if, you know, that thunderstorm turns into a tornado? What if they have, uh, uh, in the book, Willow worries, what if they have chocolate cake instead of vanilla, you know, at the birthday party, right? Because I mean, you have to be real about what kids worry about. They worry about all kinds of crazy things. Exactly. Um, and, And in fact, Willow even worries, will my parents think my worries are silly? What if my parents think my worries are silly? So mm-hmm. I think our kids are even worried a lot of times about telling us their worries because they're worried about how we'll view it. And so, you know, we need to be aware of that. And so in the book, uh, Willow's grandma comes along and she helps her deal with her worry birds. And so uh, she's got these worry birds and and she equates them to worry birds. Like a worry bird, if you, if you try to hold on to a bird, uh, it'll squirm and flap and bounce all over your mind, making you feel unsettled inside. And so we, we release those birds and we release them in prayer to God. Uh, one of the ways to do that is what I mentioned earlier, Philippians 4, is voicing them to God. When we voice them, when we get them, so it's the brain also goes to the right, to the left. So the right side of the brain is the experiential here and now part of the brain. That left side of the brain is the linguistic side. And I like to call the corpus callosum the binding of the book. It's like that middle part of the brain. And when we put language to what it is we're experiencing, mm-hmm. it's like we're writing a book. We're writing our story. And so what we try to do is help kids label their emotions so they're writing their story. And uh, for little kids, that comes out in, the, in, in drawing as well. So, so, you know, Willow's grandma encourages her to tell, you know, tell her. And Willow's grandma even walks along and says, hey, I worry too. You know, to answer your question earlier about, you know, should we tell our kids our worries? Willow says, or Willow's grandma says, yeah, I worry that grandpa's going to get sick. And I worry, you know, uh, that my grandkids won't listen, you know. And so... So she says she has worries too, but then she helps her understand how she deals with that. Talking to grandpa is one of them. So talking to somebody, talking to God and praying, and then also drawing. Drawing is a great way for kids, especially to get their worries out. Uh, and, and we as parents get to see it on paper. We had a we had a family just the other day text us over the weekend, text us uh, a picture. Their daughter was really, really worried about the storms coming through Nashville and uh, drew a picture of the storms and her worry. And then she drew another picture because the other step is to say, draw a picture of, of you either being brave or draw a picture of you, uh, of God with you in your what if. What if what if Jesus was walking with you in your what if? How would you show up? So what it does is it tri- trips the brain from going to worst case scenario to going, oh, well, what if I have courage in this? What if I'm brave at going to this birthday party? And now all of a sudden it kind of changes that trajectory and, and interrupts the brain to start being grateful for what's happening. And, and then also, you know, uh, what good could come of this if I said yes to this? So, Yeah, that's so powerful. I love these tools, Josh. And I'm also thinking as 
uh, parents and guardians are reading, uh, adults are reading this book to their kids, uh, maybe to students and so on. Are these tools that actually could be used by adults as well? Oh my goodness. I think one of the most amazing things about our, uh, one of the best feed pieces of feedback we receive from our kids' books is that the parents themselves use them. So uh, with What Am I Feeling, which was our previous kids' book, we have a feelings chart, a pull-out right. feelings chart in the back. And so it's a perforated uh, yeah. feelings poster that you can hang on your kid's bedroom. And and we have so many parents who say, I use that feelings chart for my own life uh, because we don't tend to, as adults, label our emotion. We get so busy we get so uh, we get very much about the business of the day, and even with our spouse, that we oftentimes don't get into the core of our emotion, and 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 talk about what's really going on. When was I excited today? When did I feel mm-hmm. joy, true joy today? When did I uh, feel sad? You know, uh, we were talking prior to the podcast starting about some things we were sad about, things we were grieving yeah. through the pandemic. Yeah. You know. When we fail to do those things, uh, we our bodies end up carrying them. They, they'll come mm-hmm. out at some point. And mm-hmm. so the more we can process that stuff with our spouse or with a loved one, um, it really has a healing effect um, in our mm-hmm. lives. I think that's why Jesus was so powerful in community and just, you know, mm-hmm. um, being in community. And it's at the end of the day, it's all about relationships and, and, yeah, and having those true. relationships. And so, yes, the answer to your question is, we as parents need this stuff as much as, as our kids do. And they're super helpful in that regard. Yeah. I do yeah. want to follow up on that too, Josh, because you had talked about, and maybe someone, this is the light bulb for them, is what do you mean that if you haven't processed it, it'll come out, it'll come out in your body. Can you further explain on that and expound on that? Yeah. Yeah. There's a great book out there. Um, it's a powerful book. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. Okay. And it's a, a book on, um, you know, just how trauma has ha- impacts the body over time and, and how it influences how we show like our physical body. And so what happens is, is we know with emotion that when you suppress or you medicate, whether it's through chemicals or behaviors, when you medicate negative emotion or uncomfortable feelings, you also, you also drown out the positive. So in other words, uh, what you do is you limit your ability to feel, which is why an addict will need more and more of a substance or a behavior to get the same effect because now you're, you're suppressing the negative, but you're also trying to get more and more to get that high, right? And so um, true emotional intelligence or true, or, uh, true um, like emotional health, an emotionally healthy person has the ability to feel a wide range of emotion from negative to positive or uncomfortable, if you will, to, to, to good emotion. And be able to self-soothe on the one side and be able to step into joy uh, on the other side in a way that they don't need, they can experience true joy in a relationship or in a moment with their kids where they don't need to be high or, you know, uh, medicating that to get that high, right? And so um, the more we suppress, the more our body feels it, the more our body over time will experience that. And and so that's why it's so important. Um, you know, we're huge proponents. You know, one of the biggest um, things that we have found through research is that um, for better or worse in the parenting research, uh, our children become who we are. It's pretty much you can sum up yeah. all parenting research into that conclusion. Yeah, and yeah. so for us, we're huge on just saying, I want to be better. And so we're going to do everything we can to consistently all the time. If my, if my, 
uh, ceiling is my children's floor, then I want to raise my emotional and spiritual ceiling every single day so that my children are living up to that. So they have a floor, a healthy floor to bounce off of. And so we're huge proponents of therapy. We're huge proponents of just getting in and, and doing community well. And, and so, so yeah, I, I just encourage anybody listening, like, I don't think therapy's for crazy people. I think it's for broken people. And I haven't met a single person on the planet yet who's not broken in some way. And so I think we all deserve it. I think we all um, deserve that community, whether it's through our church, whether it's through our small groups, whether it's through therapy. Um, We need those people to be talking to. And our kids reap those benefits. Yeah, that's huge. Love the way that you're putting it, Josh. And I mean, the fact of the matter is for our podcast family who are listening in to this episode, uh, ours and also yours that listen to the Famous at Home podcast that you and your wife co-host. I mean, I think the one common denominator is is that all of our listeners want to be intentional about this. Right. You know, um, maybe not those who tuned out at yeah. two minutes, yeah. but if they're, you know, still <laughs> listening right now, they're like, yeah. okay, you're I'm serious. <laughs> if you're yeah. still listening, you're, you're in. Right? That's and right. I, and, and the sense where, you know, parents understand all of our, I, I know a common denominator for all of our listeners is that, yeah, you know, I need to take responsibility to help my children process this worry. And, and I need to figure that out for myself too. And, and on previous podcasts, um, we've, uh, we actually received counseling on one of our podcasts because we wanted to show um, uh, our, our podcast family just to get rid of the stigma and, yeah. and to share how useful it is. And and, it, and it's so useful from a couple's yeah. perspective, from an individual's perspective. But, um, you know, because we're talking about kids who worry, uh, I'm, I'm curious, what would be some key signs that you would need to take that to the next level for your kids and, and might even need to seek professional help for your children? Yeah, great question. And I, so I, I mentioned some of these earlier when I was answering the question about anxiety and the difference between worry and anxiety. But if you start to notice behavioral change in your kids, you know, it's significant behavioral change where, you know, maybe grades are dropping, maybe there's reports coming home from school, you know, of misbehavior, or maybe not even misbehavior, but just checking out like, you know, they used to be a lot more engaged in class, it could be uh, interaction with friends, a change in interaction with friends. Um, also to, like I said, physical uh, patterns like sleeping or eating, uh, maybe just even saying that they feel they don't feel well often, but there's no real way to, you know, there's nothing visible, physically wrong with them. There's no real illness, but they're just not feeling well often. And then what I tell parents to do is this other thing too is very important because as parents, we're, we're the, we, we are the main students of our kids. We know our kids better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. And if something feels off to you, if it just feels off, pay attention to it, mm-hmm. you know, and start yeah. praying through it. Uh, we do that often where if we feel something's off, We'll pray through it and ask God for an insight because usually the Holy Spirit's ahead of us and, and the Holy Spirit's showing us something that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, we, we can get ahead of it a little bit. But yeah, yeah. if something feels off, pray about it, pray through it, uh, press into it, um, spend a little bit more time with that particular child and start to pay attention and become a student of your child in that moment. Because you and then and what I would also encourage parents to do is if you start to see that, go back to. Uh, and start thinking about patterns. So in other words, when did that behavior change? Uh, go back and look at when that behavior changed and then look at any significant life events that might have taken place in that child's life during that moment. So um, one example of this would be our son. I remember 
this was pre COVID. This was before COVID had hit, before the pandemic. And we, so our son was going to school, and it was that season where you wear a sweatshirt to school, but you take it off, um, you know, when, once you're at school because it gets too hot. And so he had a t-shirt underneath and a sweatshirt and we were sending him to school that way. Well, one morning he did not, I mean, he was, he was defiant about wearing a sweatshirt for a couple of days. He was just defiant. Like he just would not wear it. And finally it, it led to a power struggle one morning because it's cold outside and he would not put on a sweatshirt and Christy's driving him to school. And I mean, he ended up in absolute tears over it. And we got to a point where we're like, okay, this is something is off. This is mm-hmm. not normal. And it's over a sweatshirt, right? Well, what we had come to find out through just really meeting with him, like tucking him in bed at night, I think it was tucking him in bed at night is when he um, finally came to the, we finally, he finally talked about it because up to this point, he wouldn't even tell us. Well, okay. there was one particular day he went to take the sweatshirt off at school and when you take your sweatshirt off, it lifts yeah. the, t-shirt, the t-shirt and his yeah, belly yeah. showed. And one of the girls, oh. yeah, one of the girls yeah. looked at him in his class and goes, um, Landon, and like pointed to his belly. And so it wasn't anything like he got made fun of. It was just kind of like this one girl went, um, Landon, you know, but it devastated him and embarrassed yeah. him. He was so embarrassed. Yeah. And so once we knew that, we went and bought him some zip up hoodies so he could yeah. just yeah. wear zip up ones. It was an easy yeah. problem to solve. Um, but your kids are carrying something underneath. There was a behavior change. There was an event that happened. And a lot of times as parents, we, we're not with our kids all the time, especially if they go to school. And so you don't know what's going on in their inner world, which is why you want to see what could have happened in that moment or in that, in that time frame when you started to see the behavior change that might've led to that behavior change. And then just start championing the heck out of your kids in that moment and just say, Hey, how, you know, how, how can I best serve you? What do you need right now? What would make you feel safe? You know, those types of questions that can really help our kids start to feel, feel connected to and loved and that they're, what they're going through isn't silly. You know, I think a lot of times our kids do get worried that what, that we're going to think their worry is silly or we try to fix it. Cause as parents, that's what we do. We're just like, uh, it's nothing to worry about. Like, it's just a sweatshirt. Come on. Like mm-hmm. not like, you know, and we'll, we'll dismiss it. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes we can make is either minimizing, dismissing, or punishing our children's emotions. And so, um, so yeah, so if you see something off, don't dismiss it, don't minimize it, don't punish it, don't punish the, the behavior, the, the disobedient behavior right away, but try to understand what's going on underneath it. And uh, it has a calming, it, you understand neurobiologically, it calms their brain. So now they can start thinking straight to get to the outcome we're looking yeah. for, you know, that uh, we're looking for with them, so. Yeah. That's so good. That's so good. You know, uh, Josh, and, and I know you and Chrissy are fully aware of this, that most podcast listeners are always doing something else while listening to the podcast, <laughs> right? It's not like we're in school and we're sitting down at a desk and writing notes and, and you know, and, and which is why for Christina and I, you know, we often encourage our listeners to share the episode with their spouse or with a friend and to be able to listen back to it again and to, to think through it and to talk about it. But um, so we definitely want to encourage, but, uh, encourage that. But the beauty of this episode in particular is that you and Christy wrote this book, What Do I Do With Worry? Mm-hmm. And there might be certain pieces in this episode where it's like, yeah, I, I might not play this in the car 
while the kids and the kids by I mean the kids think our podcast is boring. So. Yeah. <laughs> Except the one yeah. they were on. Um so but but the beauty is you guys wrote this incredible children's book mm-hmm. where you as parents could sit down with your kids and to read it with one another and to spend that time and and you know we had Jimmy and uh Kristen Scroggins on the podcast several episodes back and, and they talked about just the power of conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many kids do they have? Like seven or eight? Eight. Or, yeah. And so, <laughs> multiple grandchildren. Yeah. yeah. Bless them. <laughs> I know. Yes, exactly. Mad respect. But the beauty is, you know, sitting down with your kids and reading such an engaging book mm-hmm. like this, right? Where you have the fun worry birds as well. I mean, it's just brilliant. So um, podcast family, we just want to so encourage you to pick up a copy of What Do I Do With Worry? by Dr. Josh and Christy Straub. Um, they also host the podcast Famous at Home. So, and Josh, just in final words, what is the best way for people to connect with you? Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for, uh, you know, promoting the book and and just the way you guys champion the family and just, we mm-hmm. love you guys. And so, yeah, famousathome.com would be the best place to be able to go to connect with us. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Josh. Thank you, guys. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for joining us and really sharing your heart and your expertise about healthy habits to teach our kids who worry a lot. I really enjoyed the answer to the question about, um, can we pass on worry to our kids? Which we have all known that worries are not exclusive to our children, right? We all Mm -hmm. have worries. Mm -hmm. As parents, we have to be honest with ourselves about how we possibly project our own worries onto our kids. One of the greatest tools we can give our children in helping them deal with worry is learning to manage it ourselves. Yeah, so that's why for today's tool, we want to equip you with a five-step exercise that is going to be very helpful during periods of anxiety or panic, and it's going to help ground you in the present when your mind is bouncing between the various what-ifs. Exactly. The what-ifs are what psychologists call anticipatory grief. Anticipatory grief is the mind going to the future and imagining the worst. Anyone else experience this? (laughs) Uh, Yep. (laughs) Yep. Yep, me too. The key is to be present in the moment instead of living in the land of what-ifs. But let's be honest, sometimes that's really easier said than done. So if you're feeling anxious, try this exercise. Before starting, be aware of your breathing. You know, many times when we're anxious, we're shallow breathing, right? Or just we're these, even holding our breath. Yeah, yeah. These quick breaths just up, upward in our chest. So before starting this exercise, take a few slow, deep, long breaths, drawing from your belly and not from your lungs. So it's super easy. Just put both hands right now, or if you're driving one hand, uh, on your tummy and try breathing in so that your tummy expands as widely as it can all right so try that right so breathe in as much as you can and when you breathe in until you can't anymore allow that breath at the end to basically move from your tummy up to your lungs up to your throat and then out so just do that a few times and then once you find your breath do the following five steps using your five senses. 
you're going to want to name them aloud. So number five, acknowledge five things you see around you. For example, a pen, your laptop, a dust bunny in the corner, perhaps if you're driving the sun shining in your window, or a car that's zooming beside you. (laughs) Yeah. Next, you want to point out four things that you can touch around you. So if you're driving, your steering wheel. If you're on your couch, a fuzzy blanket or a hard-covered book, a glass of water or your hair. Then say three things you hear. So any external sound. Maybe it's the neighbor's lawnmower, a bird chirping outside or a truck rumbling by. And then you'll want to notice two things that you can smell, like a candle or your lotion. Or car exhaust. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. And the last thing you want to pay attention to is one thing you can taste. Maybe it's the coffee in your coffee mug or a piece of gum inside your mouth. So this quick exercise is going to help ground you in the present. And grounding yourself reminds your body, your nervous system, and your brain that you're safe. So next time you are feeling anxious and finding yourself spiraling, try this exercise. You can go to inbetween.org slash episode 146 for all the show notes from today's episode, including today's tool. This episode was brought to you in part by the Lord of Spirits podcast. Many Christians yearn to break free of the influence of secular materialism and to understand the union of the seen and unseen worlds as made by God. What is the spiritual world like? Tune in wherever you get your podcasts.